And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. We're back together again, my friends. We are back together again, and I want to just applaud. I want to applaud the man, the myth, the legend himself, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. Of course, I am DC Matthews, at DC Matthews NAI. Doc, you did it. You did your own show. I am so proud of you. Yeah, I I am probably never doing that again. I thought it was fantastic. I listened to it this morning. I was up at like 4.45. I listened to most of it. I finished it while I was going to the grocery store this afternoon. It was really good. I honestly think, I'm not even kidding, that might need to be a weekly show. You might need to break it down that way every single week. You know, I mean, I listened to it back this morning, actually, and I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it was when I finished recording it last night. But, I mean, it was a half hour of me just naming things and making up points. Like, I was like, why would anybody oh, don't get me wrong. listen to this? Don't get me wrong. The whole point total was all wrong. And we'll talk about that as we continue. Excuse me? The you, points? I applied science, sir. You did, but, you, I, you know, and, and trust me, I will defer to you in almost all manner of science, but at the same time, you talk all the time about trying to be as unbiased and objective as possible, but I'm going to go to a really weird thing. How can you give zero points to a match that actually happened? You gave zero points to Darren Young versus Titus O'Neil, but if it was an actual wrestling match, doesn't that need to have at least five points? I disagree. I think five points, it's something that I at least care about a little bit. It was a solid enough match. It was nothing special, but it happened. Darren Young versus Titus O'Neil was just a waste of everyone's time. But at least there was something. I almost think there needs to be a fourth option there because, you know, a segment with no physical contact whatsoever and a match that even if it's of... of subpar quality. I don't know if those can be given the same amount of points. At if least you have, there was some if there, if there is a match of subpar wrestling quality to the point that you're saying, man, I wish I, wa- I, wish, I wish I wasn't watching this match. Try saying that five times fast. I wish I wasn't watching this match. Why would you award it any points? Because at least there was some wrestling. You know, it's 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 like you have a category for wrestling. There is wrestling, and yet you award it no points. And I'm with you on the squashes. You want to give zero points to the Baron Corbin or the Nia Jax? As or the- far as I'm concerned, a match that is so poor that I don't care to watch it at all is worth the same amount of points as a squash match. I There's didn't... no entertainment value okay. there. And again, I will defer to you, and it's fine. But I I meant it. I'm sitting here listening to the show. It's five in the morning, and I'm saying to myself, self, you copied that. You said that, and I was like, I do that in my classroom every day. But 
I honestly think... All right. Okay, to- fine. I have the spreadsheet up right now. It's not going to change I will go the ahead. It's I not- will go ahead and put in a five for wrestling on Titus versus Darren on Bra. I don't think you need to. I think you need like a two or a three. A difference between... And again, this is just going to complicate things because the next thing I was going to say is I think you need to publish this and people need to be able to complete their own scorecard. Because, and I want to talk about the, the, the broader theme here. You're absolutely right. The fact that Kevin Owens won the Universal title single-handedly meant that everyone was going to say Raw was better than SmackDown despite the fact that up to that point, the three-hour show was not as good as SmackDown's two-hour and- show. I don't think I articulated this very well at the end of Doc Talk because I was just ready to be done. But that really is the point, isn't it? SmackDown is very good right now at the little things. They are, throughout the show, giving us segments that there's at least something there for us to care about. You compare that to the show that Raw put on this week... And theirs were three segments that I gave a total score of zero to. I mean, actually, there was four, but I just put in five for Titus versus uh, Darren to appease DC Matthews. But so there were four, maybe three, four, whatever you want to call it, goose eggs for segments there. And they... What more do you want me to say? There were parts of that show that were basically... No reason to be watching. Yes. There was not one zero-point segment in SmackDown, e- even though Heath Slater at home and Orton Wyatt came awful close, as did Kane versus the Milkman. But they all managed to give me at least something, something. I get it. And again, and we could we could probably sit and talk about this all day, and I'm certainly not opposed to that, because I, I want to ask you, okay... What would happen if you crunched the numbers? Let's say Raw was a two-hour show, and let's presume that if it was a two-hour show, you would take out the four segments you gave zeros or the five I, to. Okay, but even if you did... I'm not saying did, it's going to change everything completely. Well, it doesn't, because the the pure score, just the Raw tally here, I mean, I had 85 points. I remember. Right. And, I mean, because even if you cut out all those segments, you might tell me, okay, well... Maybe they would have had different segments, but at the same time, they already had more segments. So you cut out those three that had goose eggs, and you basically have the same amount of segments as you would put in a two-hour show. But because, again, this is an additive tally, yeah. they still only earn 90 points to I, I think it was 135. Being, the, the spread would be seen more once you started dividing it by the number of minutes. Because now instead of dividing 85 points by 180, you're dividing it by 120. Right. I mean, and if you did that, I mean, yeah, it would be a closer sort of configuration. Let me do that real quick. I'll take 90 instead of my 85. I've upgraded that to 90 officially in canon, folks. Um, that's .75 for their, 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 their concentrated entertainment per minute Score And that's still compared to 1.125 for SmackDown. I mean, it's not double anymore, but that's still a 30% increase. That's pretty substantial. Now, do we need to add some sort of multiplier for the fact that that main event was potentially either a career-defining moment or a historical moment? 
you know, AJ Styles spending 20 minutes crotched on the rope is not a moment That's that is going really to stand good. the test of time. <laughs> but that Rhino, is really good. Rhino's obsession with cheese whiz or canned cheese, whatever the distinction is, however, might be. But Kevin Owens winning that title in the way he did is a moment that in 10 or 15 years, people will still be talking about. Does and again, that need to count for I, more? I don't think so. I think what you're saying is true, and I won't argue with you. As I said, the Fatal 4-Way match was amazing because of that ending, right? It was flashy, something awesome happened that we Mm -hmm. basically, a lot of people really, really wanted. But again, when you put it in the context of this is just another segment in this show, yeah, that segment is excellent and it can get almost a perfect score across the boards, but it doesn't fix the other three hours of that show. Okay. SmackDown, meanwhile, provided a, a pretty solid two hours. So can we say that in terms of Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown was the better show, yet the best match happened on Raw? Absolutely. Okay. No qualms with I, that. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I'm serious. I really think you need to polish this up and publish this so that way people can make informed decisions. We are aspiring to educate and inform, and if we can entertain, that's good too. The neighborhood, if they had a document where they could actually grade after each segment, they could sit during those commercials and say, 10 points for this, 5 points for this, 0 points for this, you know, and... and Again, we could I could I was sitting there listening wondering whether or not, you know, Neville versus Chris Jericho should have some points because there was at least some semblance of a storyline and I, I I agree it's fair. If you don't remember it the day after, it's probably not worth scoring, but at least there was something. You know, do you think it is possible? But again, you- but this was part of the reason why I used the scoring system I did. Zero five ten because if it didn't register enough to make it to the five threshold, I feel justified in giving it a zero. I understand what you're saying; it probably moved the needle a little bit, but again, I chose that scoring system with the thresholds because I didn't want to nitpick about it. Did right. it move the needle enough to make it to okay, fine? And would the answer you, was no. Would you say? that you were as objective as you could possibly be when doing this? Uh, I would say, based off the phrasing of your question, yes. However, I have a fundamental disagreement that anything anyone ever does is objective. Okay. That's kind of where I was going with this. Is this is this is allowing us to be more honest with ourselves, but our own biases are still going to. Hey, I said it on Doc Talk. This was the score, according to Doc Manson. I made no other um, accusations. I simply said that this was how I was scoring it, and you can agree with me or you can disagree with me. And in fact, if you disagreed. I invited you to write me an email. Did anybody write me an email? I don't know because I didn't check. But, you know, in theory, (laughs) in theory, I gave people a venue to voice their opinions. You did. And maybe there's tons. No one did, of course. But, you know. Did you check? Okay. And and again, I think I I want everyone who is listening to this, and I'm going to mention this on a private earful too, I, I truly believe that was one of the better 
half hours of my podcast to come. And they, they say this. I've, I've seen this written and heard this places. You want to work, in this case, with people who you admire and who also, you know, you enjoy. I there was no I really did. That was probably the most enjoyable podcast I have heard in quite a while. And it's not just because I've known you now for going on fifteen years. It's just because you broke it down, you talked about it, and you know, and it's not just because you said the phrase sweet science about seventy eight different times. <laughs> I, I I do. I applaud you. It was exactly what I have wanted you to do. I wanted you to step out from behind the let DC Matthews do all the work. All I have to do is put a pair of headphones on and then click a couple of buttons to send him the audio. I wanted you to take that risk, get out of your comfort zone, and I couldn't be happier. So. I guess, but I mean, again, me talking to myself for 30 minutes about made-up points for, you know... Welcome... I- to my world. I don't really think... I I have trouble um, parsing the value of that experience. I think because it was short and because you had a specific objective, it worked beautifully. If you're like me and you just ramble, it doesn't work as well. I tried to sound angry for a lot of it. it How well did that come across? Not at all. Okay. All right. You know, there were certain moments where you did. I could tell the disappointment in certain segments not meeting your expectations. I got that. But I don't think you can rant the same way you can rant on this show. Yeah. I don't really think you can either. That's, and I think that's part of that is just the that simple fact hour. that you deep down, you loathe me. And the, oh, it's the, true. the vision of my face via Skype just bothers you you're probably looking at me right now he's wearing a bright orange shirt why would he do that you know why doesn't he comb his hair before he gets on the podcast he's now on a laptop i don't know what that would do anything but (laughs) yeah okay the room behind him is messy why doesn't he clean is that chair new has that chair Um, always been there behind you it hasn't always been there but it's been there for at least a few weeks okay well, I feel very disconnected because we were traveling. We had the crunch. Uh, had things calmed down in the lab? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, I'm here it's today, Thursday right? It's Thursday so. at 6.30 and you're here. Uh, so welcome to DDT Wrestling. Uh, that was probably the most enjoyable 15 minutes we've ever done podcasting. I That was... Well, you were just heaping praise unto me. So, I mean, I'd have to probably more agree praise. with you, but you I do. demand and... more praise. And I have now received, so consider me satiated. I gave, and you received. That's going to be our first book. (laughs) (laughs) As long as we're talking about praise. So we're, we're living in a world where Kevin Owens is the universal champion. We're living in a world where AJ Styles is the number one contender to the SmackDown World Championship. And we're living in a world where Roman Reigns, just today, was announced as the number one wrestler in the world, according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think Pro Wrestling Illustrated is looking for some attention. I think you're absolutely right. Now, I love PWI. I've been a PWI fan since I was a kid, as evidenced by the fact that every so often I pull one of my magazines I still have out and take pictures of it and post it online. But this is obviously they're trying to get some press. And putting Roman Reigns in the number one spot is a way to do that. 
it's sort of transparent, and so I didn't even mention it on Twitter, and I don't really feel like I have much to contribute to that now. I don't want to talk about Roman Reigns getting well, correct. that spot. I mean, I, and, I, and at the same time, I also don't want to talk about PWI giving him that spot because I'm just now feeding into the trap that they've set no. by even talking about it. However, what I do want to talk about, though, is we are two-thirds done with 2016. It is 666 Repetand. Is that how you say that? Six, yes. 66.6 repeating. You said it at some point. That's how I, I say repeating. But Okay, it's not repetand? I have no idea. Okay. We don't cover that in the math classes that I teach. Um, but we are very close. At some point in the very near future, you and I are going to be sitting down to record the DDT Awards. And so I thought what would be interesting... I'm not even going to look up what their top five was. I was trying to, but I can't find it. If you had to make a list right now, and let's stick with WWE because that's all you and I watch, and then we'll include NXT. If you had to list the top five wrestlers in world wrestling, entertainment, and all of its umbrellas, who would be on your list? Not your favorite top five, but the top five for 2016 who have had the best years in your mind. Well, you know, I would probably pull in from a couple other companies just to set that out there. I know you said WWE, but if I was really thinking about 2016 and professional wrestling, knowing that I watch Lucha Underground... Okay, you can include that- Lucha Underground as well since you watch it. Okay, well, I was also going to say, in watching TNA, I actually think one of the most important wrestling figures from this year is probably Broken Matt Hardy. Okay. I tried watching TNA. I got through, I think, 20 to 30 minutes of the two-hour show, and I couldn't do it anymore. It was the episode where EC3 and Drew Galloway were meeting on the top of a building to have, like, a summit... There was a battle royal to determine um, a contender for Lashley's title. The Miracle Mike Bennett won it by eliminating Moose, and there was a problem there. Um, And then I think it was Jeff Hardy came out, and the crowd was just repeating whatever phrase. And I was just like, I can't. I I can't spend my time this way. I have things I need to do. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. I I think the whole broken thing is. I enjoyed very broken Matt Hardy. I enjoyed broken Matt Hardy. I'm intrigued to listen to. I believe he was on Talk Is Jericho in character. I think hmm. I would be intrigued to listen to that. And I I think you're right. I think if we were going to make a top five throughout wrestling, and you know neither of us watch Japan, neither of us I think are very well versed in Ring of Honor. I do think Matt Hardy goes on that list in terms of this year. Correct. He has completely reinvented himself and made himself a star. As it were. And he really likes Paisley. But that's even back from WWE. He is just a Paisley fan. He had some good pants. Yeah. Paisley pants! Do you think the gray is natural, or do you think he dyes that part of his hair? I'm assuming he dyes it. Okay. Okay. Where else? So I would include AJ Styles. 
Yes, absolutely. I think AJ Styles would be on that list. I think at this Are point, we including NXT talents? Yes. So I would probably say Shinsuke has to be on that list as well. Although you could make a case for Samoa Joe too. I think I would put Asuka above Samoa Joe, but yeah. All right. If we're included, I, I forgive me. I forgot we were included. You know, I didn't know. Of course you did, you pig. Would you put Charlotte on that list? I would not. Why? She's she, she. I believe she entered 2016 as women's champion. She lost the title, but then regained it also in 2016. Um, a good portion of that title run has been marred by questionable creative choices. I'm referring mostly to her pairing with Ric Flair and also her pairing with Dana Brooke. Nurse Dana Brooke. I apologize. Nurse Dana Brooke. That was one of the more comical things. I watched a lot of wrestling this week just with the sound off. I something I think it was just I was trying to do different things. The beginning of the school year, I'm, you know, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But watching that, you know, Gallows and Anderson talking about being retirement planners, I was like, I don't have the energy. And then I looked up again and went, why is Dana Brooke wearing a surgical mask? What is happening? Like, if they had still been doctors. It would have made more sense. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, Yeah. I'm actually, I actually enjoy. All I can say is. That earned them five points in that segment. I actually enjoy Dana Brooke more with them than with Charlotte. I would hope she doesn't... I would hope she stops showing up with Charlotte. And if she needs... That's just weird enough to work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Charlotte doesn't end up on my list for those reasons. All right. I would consider putting her on, but let's keep going here. So you've got Asuka, you've got AJ... You've got Matt Hardy. What else would be in your five? You can do your five, and then I'll do my five. So those are your three. And I don't need them in any order. We don't need to rank them. This is not the DDT top ten. Uh, Shinsuke probably would be on there. Over Joe. I think so. In terms yeah. of success in 2016. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what the metric is because if you're just saying success well Mm -hmm. Samoa Joe held that title for longer than Shinsuke did in 2016 so by default he'd have to go over Shinsuke but I don't really think that's a proper metric Um, okay can I ask you a random question and we'll mm -hmm. come back to this I've watched you I believe now drink out of like three different vessels do you have multiple beverages going or is it just you have a lot of water in a lot of different containers I have one glass which I drank all of it from. And then I have this container, which has more water in it. And I probably took a couple swigs from it. You did. But then I poured it back into the glass. Okay. And I went back to drinking from the glass. All right. I was just, just thought the fans I'm glad to. we cleared that up just 22 minutes in on this audio podcast. I just thought the fans needed to know what you were up to. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so you've got one more spot. Asuka, Styles, Matt Hardy, Shinsuke. Anyone from Lucha Underground you want to include, since you mentioned it? I don't think so, actually. Um, If I did pick someone from Lucha Underground, it might... Hmm. It's hard for me to say, because again, I haven't seen enough Lucha Underground. I enjoyed what I've seen, but I've only seen half of Season 2. 
Um, so that's really difficult for me to say. All I right. mean, if I was picking, if I was picking matches, like the best top five matches, the no mas match between Sexy Star and Mariposa would probably be on that list. Um, okay. And if I, I was gonna, if I said if I was gonna pick a pet talent, I was thinking Sexy Star. But honestly, when I, when I sort of assess the actual sort of wrestling talent there, I don't really think she. She falls on, on that list. If Asuka wrestled Sexy Star, how much money would you pay to actually go to that show? If they were wrestling within a 50-mile drive of us? Eh. I don't know. I mean... Eh. Okay. <laughs> I was I hoping I, I for know. more. I was really hoping for more from that question, but all right. Let's move on. I don't know. Sexy Star is an excellent character, but... And she does have good matches at times, but I don't think she's as good as they want me to think that she is. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? Is but there, but, but is, she is talented. Is there someone that you wish Asuka could face? Either WWE or Lucha Underground or TNA? I have no idea what women even wrestle in TNA, so maybe there's a really good one that I don't know. Gail Kim? Mm, that would be fun. Yeah, I forgot she still wrestles. She does. Um, Victoria's not there anymore, so I guess not her. Mm, I had heard rumors that she was coming back to WWE, and I'm sad that she didn't. Um, I missed a lot of SmackDown. I'm not going to lie. Seahawk is going to, oh, what are you, point of you being a professional podcaster if you're not even going to watch the product? Um, did the Headbangers yeah. do anything of note? They wrestled a match. Was there any purpose? I got into some heated arguments with some people on Twitter because I thought it was a complete waste of time to bring them back for what's probably going to be a one-off. But did you? Yeah. I, no. Okay. Not that I saw. It All was right. just a match. Uh, so who's your fifth? Hmm. Owens, Rollins, Balor, Ambrose, Lesnar. Bo I mean, it probably would, I would. I would probably give it to Owens. Owens NXT move to the main roster was like at the beginning of this year, right? And the last year, it was in the middle of last year. It was in May. He's been on the in the company now for almost a year and a half. Hmm. Well, I don't know then. What was he doing at the beginning of the year? He was wrestling Ambrose for the Intercontinental Title at the Royal Rumble. And then he wrestled in the latter match for the Intercontinental title at Mania. Then he feuded with Zayn. He's been really strong, but as I sort of said on Doc Doc, he's been a solid mid-carder for however many weeks. So maybe not. Maybe not, Owens. Um, I'm having difficulty filling out that last spot. I mean, who would you put in your list? Uh, Styles is number one. You know, and I think it helps that he made his debut at the Rumble. So literally, his entire WWE career has happened in 2016. Um, so I would put him at the top of my list. Uh, I would put Samoa Joe on there. I don't remember when he won the title from Balor. I know it wasn't that long ago, but he mm. and Balor feuded for a while, and then he won the title and defended it valiantly until Shinsuke. Uh, I would consider putting Nakamura on the list as well. Um, I, I'm i not going to put Matt Hardy on my list only because myself personally I haven't watched him do enough I will admit that he probably deserves to be on there but my personal list wouldn't include him the person who I keep thinking about hasn't done enough to actually earn it 
But man, I love Bobby Roode's entrance music. I thought about it, but, you know, I, I'm tempted, honestly, to put The Miz on this list. And it's really only been... Now, granted, he was doing this stuff with the Intercontinental Champion for a while, but if he's been the Intercontinental Champion now for going on 150 days, that takes us back to right after WrestleMania. He won the title. He beat Ryder the night after WrestleMania, right? Yes. So he's held that title since April. He's gotten better almost with each and every week. I think I'm going to give my fifth spot to Samoa Joe. He's just a solid workhorse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything particularly outstanding from what I've seen this year, but he has been incredibly solid. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't give it to Rollins because he wasn't around enough. I could give it to Balor, except... You don't even like Balor. I can appreciate the career. Like, he did well in NXT, but then he lost to Joe. Then he lost to Joe again. Then he got hurt, which, granted, not necessarily his fault. Um, I'll go ahead and put Charlotte on my list just to include a female. I I totally agree with you. The creative choices are lacking. But the fact remains, she was the she has been the dominant female in WWE for better or worse since the beginning of the year. So my five right now is Styles, Joe, Nakamura, Charlotte, and The Miz. Okay. That would be my five. And yours is Asuka, AJ Styles, Matt Hardy, Shinsuke, and Samoa Joe. Yeah, I think so. So I think that's fair. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, did you know that there are fudge brownie goldfish? Yes. My coworker brings them to a staff meeting, and she's like, "You should try these." And I was like, "What are they?" I didn't even have some because they scared me so much. But aren't they just Teddy Grahams? Uh, yeah, essentially. They sell these s'mores ones that really don't taste anything like s'mores. Okay. Can I tell you? I believe it was a couple of weeks ago you were eating Teddy Grahams on the podcast. I mean, like, these Teddy Grahams? I have been craving them since then. I was at the store today, and honestly, because I don't think, for all the right reasons, they would be looked on fondly if I brought them in the house, I really contemplated whether or not I could smuggle them in a pocket of my pants. And it would just be something I ate on the show and then hid until the next time we recorded. Are you turning into our friend GQ? Not necessarily. I don't hide much at all uh, from my wife. Just Teddy Grahams. There are certain snack foods that I would like to eat <laughs> that she would not like me to eat. Fair I also, I, And I'm obviously very susceptible because... I think I came home from the Manson household and really was debating the merits of buying beef jerky. And I don't think that would be approved <laughs> either. What's wrong with beef jerky? It's the preservatives that I presume are in them. I don't know. Is beef jerky bad for you? I would assume it is. Well, I mean, it can be. But why don't you go to the grocery store, get yourself a nice cut of steak, bring it home, and uh, jerkify it yourself. How does one jerkify a steak? Have you done well, this I mean, before? Have you made your own beef jerky? 
Uh, way back, a long time ago, I made it with like a dehydration unit, and that worked okay. But like, there are ways to just do them in your oven. There, there are recipes. Um, my Mrs. Manson's father, uh, he occasionally will make his own jerky, and it's quite good. Huh. Um, I will have to look into this. I think I might be able... I think I can make a better case for it if I make it myself. Because then I know what goes in it. Exactly. All right. Is there anything else about the week of wrestling? You know, I know that a lot of stuff happened, but we've recorded a bunch of podcasts either solo or together lately. And I feel like there are other topics that merit discussion. So do you have anything else WWE-wise that we should talk about? Uh, The PWI 500 came out. We talked about that. Um, Mr. Fuji died. That was sad. Do you think we should talk about the whole Daniel Bryan Miz thing? Have we addressed that? Or did we talk about that on the CWC? We did. We did. We talked a lot. We we talked about Lesnar. Um, Yeah. I feel like we kind of, we talked about Owens winning. What do you where who do you think Owens first matches? Well, who does Owens wrestle at Clash of the Champions? Seth Rollins? That's what I would say too. I think he's going to at some point wrestle Chris Jericho, but I think that's still a while away. The tweet that Chris Jericho said that he was so happy his best friend won the universal title. <laughs> we are going to be such a great champion was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think I think Rollins makes sense. Um unless Rollins is going to go after Triple H, but that seems too early for that. So, I would presume that would get dragged out until WrestleMania, no? I would think so. I suppose they could try to do it at either a Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble to make it seem like a big deal. I also am slightly worried we're going to see Owens versus Reigns versus Rollins. They're just they're going to make it a triple threat match because Triple H came in and ruined the rest of the match. Because you know I'm intrigued because and I think you talked about this as well on Doc Talk. We don't know what Triple H is doing. Is he working for Stephanie? Is he on his own? Is you know, did he do this just because he doesn't like Reigns or Rollins? You know, I'm, there's there is intrigue to be had about this entire thing, and that's a positive. Yes. So you know, so it makes me wonder what they're going to do with this uh, heading into it, which again is a positive. Um, the NAI Pod Boys were discussing whether or not this is going to mean a reunification of Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, and I doubt that. Yeah, it seems unlikely. It would. They still, I don't think, have had a definitive end to their feud in air quotes. So they I would, haven't had a blow off. I don't like that word. So isn't that the term though? Blow it off, is. Isn't that? Yeah, yeah, it is. But I, it, it's got blow ch- off. Yeah. See, that's the problem I have with it. Is the part you emphasized? So off? No, you didn't emphasize off. You emphasized below, below Brown, so below Brown. Uh, yeah, Don't I think it's chip. I think it's Rollins, and I think you know we head down a road that could lead to Owens versus Jericho at some point, but that's probably again still a few months away. Yeah, but no, otherwise there's not a whole lot that I feel inclined. I will give Colin Cassidy credit. 
I wouldn't call him a main eventer, but I would call him much closer to being a main eventer than I gave him credit for. Both, sure. Both in terms of the promo in the opening segment and during the match. I thought he handled himself very well. I don't understand why Enzo came out. Yeah, I got nothing to add. The only other question I have for you is what happened backstage to necessitate Glenn the Milkman Millman coming out to then be chokeslammed by Kane? Because I heard Rhino got busted open. So yeah, did that match so. have to end prematurely and they were just... It didn't seem like it. It seemed like it was still a full match. Is my video changing color? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I don't know how that's happening. That's weird. Okay. Sorry. Again, audio gold. But, um... But, yeah, no. I mean, because they had done the whole match. Heath was getting beaten down. They Instead of, you know, him finally making it to the hot tag, like, Rhino ran into the ring, broke up a pinning attempt, dragged Heath Slater all the way back to their corner got back out on the apron, stuck his hand in the ring, and just shouted, Tag me! <laughs> it was it was I hilarious. Will, I will give Heath Slater a lot of credit. He, just in the last two weeks, has gotten Rhino oh, yeah. over to a point that I did not think was possible in 2016. He's gotten himself over. I mean, this has been a Heath Slater renaissance. I care way more about Heath Slater now than I ever have before. I have never cared about Heath Slater before. That's what I'm saying. I would have, I would have, if I could have been in charge, he would have been future endeavored right after the whole Nexus thing was over. Probably. I, but now I'm like, and, and especially now that they had that, the, the vignette at home, I was really against Slater and Rhino advancing in this tournament because I felt like it was promoting a singles storyline. Now I'm okay with it. Now I'm okay with it being Slater and Rhino versus American Alpha in the finals. Yeah. Especially with Breezango out of the way, which was really sad. But, I okay, let's go with it. Let's see what they can do. I'm down. All right. Are Especially because st- the hype bros are still in it. Eh. <laughs> are you still down with No Man's Sky? Are you still playing this video game? Um, a little bit, although not as much as I had been. There doesn't seem to be enough to sustain a long-term Well, and that's my question. So this game, a few weeks ago, came to my attention, and it seemed to have a lot of hype, and people seemed to be really excited for it. You had talked about wanting to get it, and then you got it and were very excited, and then it seemed like, within days... I was reading that people wanted their money back, that people were, you know, very angry at it. What happened that was so, quote-unquote, bad? You obviously don't seem to have as big of a problem with it as everybody else. Um, Here's the thing. Here's the secret to video games. And, you know, video games as a hobby, especially, I think, on the Internet, tend to sort of trend to a younger demographic. Uh, ones who perhaps, I don't know, are a little more, mm, I don't know, I don't know how else to say, it. a little more maybe emotional about things. The bottom line is, folks, um, stop pre-ordering video games. Why video game? Because video games 
are incredibly complex pieces of media. And there's a lot of things that have to happen correctly for them to turn out good. And if you're not... If, if all you're going to do is order a game before it's out, sight untested, never reviewed, not able to actually see actual out-in-the-world gameplay, then you're fooling yourself. Unlike, you know, a movie where the footage, to some extent, is the footage. Yeah, the final movie could still be bad because you don't know necessarily how everything's going to come together. Maybe they gave away all the good parts in the trailer. Who knows? But the footage is still the footage. For a video game... Everything for a video game comes together at the last minute. They spend years putting together the systems, the technology, the art assets, right? But they don't start squashing bugs. They don't necessarily finish the entire feature set until it's far too late to change what the game is. So they can go out there, especially when you're talking about games that get out into the news cycle, three four years before they finally get released, you can look at that footage. That's all target footage. It's all things that they're intending to generate and to make this game, but it's just a target. It doesn't actually exist in a playable form yet. You can't take that sort of advertisement as a promise of what the game is going to be. It just doesn't work that way in that medium. You could have a game that looks awesome, plays awesome, and and it could just be ruined by show-stopping bugs that just never got fixed in the last month of its development cycle. You know what I mean? Like, you could have a game that just will crash at start. You could have a game that looks wonderful, but they just never balanced the various systems. The enemies are too hard. The combat's not quite right. That's uh, all stuff that happens at the last minute. You can't possibly know whether or not it's actually going to turn out the way you want it to until it's out there. You can't let yourself get balled up into this hype machine like that. And if you do allow yourself to do that, well, honestly, the blame is on you. And as far as I'm concerned, with No Man's Sky, I got exactly the game I thought I was going to get. A lot of people were out there saying, that's not the game they were advertising, that's not the game that they promised us three years ago at E3. Yeah, guess what? That's how video games work. They're targeting something, they're saying this is what they're intending to do, but they haven't actually made it yet. And if you are going to believe in that vision, that's fine, You it's good to have hopes and dreams and all that, but at least... Before you put your $60 down, wait to see what a review outlet has to say about it. See what your favorite YouTuber has to say about it. Watch some gameplay footage. So that way you know what the game is before you get into it. Period. See, and you say you couldn't do a show by yourself. That's That was three or four minutes of just a small little snippet of the gold that they got on Doc Talk. Now, I remember when we used to discuss this more often, probably because we were sharing a house, you would never buy a game right away. You usually always waited for the bugs that inevitably come with almost every game to work themselves out before you really devoted some time Pretty to fine. it. Absolutely. Did, but you didn't necessarily do that with this one. No, um, I kind of wanted to be a part of, uh, but the zeitgeist is that the right term? You know, the 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 sort of the pub, the public 
consciousness. And for video games, that comes and goes very quickly. I wanted to be a part of that conversation. And so you kind of have to be there the first week or two that a game is released before it's old news and nobody cares about it anymore. It's just the way I think that industry works. Um, And so, I mean, I saw enough of No Man's Sky to know that it looked like a game that I could easily sink 20 hours into. And yeah, maybe it wasn't going to be a game I was going to play for the rest of my life, sink thousands of hours into it, but I don't need a video game to be that. Um, $20, I'm sorry, $60 for even 20 hours worth of gameplay. It's $3 an hour. Right, I mean, you pay a lot more than that when you go to the movies at night, so I, I really don't see the problem with that value proposition. You mentioned the hours, and I just have to ask this question. Um, think of the game that you have played the most in your life. Okay. What was it, and how many hours would you guess, or perhaps you might even know, that you devoted to that single game? I mean, it might be World of Warcraft, but I don't know how much time I actually put into that, and I'm not sure that really counts. I that would probably be the two games for me, not counting, you know, like the Game Boy games I had as a kid where that was pretty much all I ever did for a while. Uh was either WoW because I played with you and another friend of ours or Skyrim. Okay. And even Skyrim probably I only put grand total maybe counting all the characters I ever made maybe 200 hours. Yeah, the other my next highest would be Seven Days to Die, and that would probably be I, that I actually can quantify, and that's probably around three hundred and fifty hours. Okay, I'm very excited for, and I, I don't know why, but they're re-releasing Skyrim on for the PS4, and I will be picking that up. And yeah, apparently- you can finally play it on a uh, PlayStation system where the game actually works. That'll be great. I enjoyed it on the PS3. I didn't have major problems with it on the PS3. Yeah, You should go back, because I mean, actually that version of the game was riddled with all sorts of memory issues. Oh, I had, I had, to, like, restart. The permanence of I had to restart the, the game every so often, because you know, yeah. it would load and just not work anymore. Um, yeah. But I just assumed I broke it, because I break everything. So No, that game just never worked very well in the PS3 well, architecture. Plus, and I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but plus, you know, Playing it solely on a console, I never got the chance to mod anything. Meh, it's overrated. You know, and then the other thing is I couldn't use cheat codes. You know, I eventually went back and played Oblivion, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was. I had God mode on, I was being able to jump really high, you know. But how long did you play that with those cheats on? I played through a good port. I think I played through the game once and then was just jumping around looking for other random things in the game that I had missed. I honestly feel like like cheat codes when you, where you break the game like that can only truly be appreciated after you've spent a significant amount of time in the game proper. You know, sort of giving you that juxtaposition, giving you that context for why it's awesome that now I can jump over this mountain, uh, having not been able to do it for the other 30 hours I sunk into this experience. You know what I mean? I th- it depends on the game. There are certain games that I buy. You know, I bought Saints Row 4 solely for the purpose of cheat codes. I would never have played that game 
without being able to use all of the weapons right away. And I'll, you know, there are certain games that I'm like, I want to be able to just do ridiculous things, you know, a pre, you know, progress through the story at a fairly decent pace and not run it. You know, I, ha- I hate getting to a part in a video game where I get frustrated. And I know that is a central part in many video games. Like that's part of the video gaming experience is to get frustrated mm. and to persevere and to, I sort of disagree, actually. Uh, as I get a little older now, I prefer games with narratives that keep me moving. Uh, I prefer games that I don't hit that wall of frustration. Frankly, I have no problems playing a game on default difficulty, and if you know I am running up against that wall, I have zero qualms with jumping that difficulty down. Um, I like to see where games go, how they're developed, how how there's supposed to be a progression, like in a proper Saints Row 4 without the cheat codes. Like, you know, drop the difficulty down and see how I'm unlocking these powers and just playing through it. Not just, you know, the narrative, but the ne- the meta-narrative. How, how does this developer want me to gain these powers and move through uh, this world and this storyline? Like, there is something to be enjoyable, but the craft that goes into these products, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one of the reasons that made Skyrim so good for me is I never, with few ex- exceptions, the Draugr overlords or whoever killed me instantly, or that one time when I was a very low level and I wanted to go talk to a giant not realizing he would step on my head. But um, I was able to play through that game with minimal problems you know absolutely I, I you know and it was it was i could it, you talk about these immersive games i was lost in the world of skyrim um you know saints row 4 i actually started playing it through a second time without the cheat codes just to see how it was supposed to work you know just playing it through in the proper way and for whatever reason i seem to wind up doing that where i play it through the full way with the cheat codes, and then I go through it a second time to see what it's really like, which is probably a really backwards way of playing video games. But that's okay. Whatever, whatever I find allows you to enjoy the experience. I find I find my happy. Uh, now that No Man's Sky has come and dare I say gone, what's next on Doc Manson's radar? video game wise and I know whenever we have this discussion you say there's not a lot but is there anything that jumps out at you right now honestly this is a bit of a cop out answer but 7 days to die it's an early access still so they're going to be releasing alpha 15 probably within the next month or so and I'm interested in playing the next major revision of that game explain this to me as someone who is not as into this as you I know there is such a thing as alpha testing. I know there is such a thing as beta testing, and I believe it goes alpha test, beta test, and then they release the game. What is the is alpha test literally just bare bones? They set it up and want you to just start. What is the difference between an alpha test and a beta test? Okay, well, caveat to this. Uh, very frequently when you buy a video game now, you will get access to a beta Right, you'll say pre-order now and get access to the multiplayer beta. That is not actually a beta. That is, is a that demo a of the multiplayer. Yes, and is it's that become, a buzzword? They're trying to get people to buy it. Yes, it's become a buzzword that really all it means is demo. Because if you're doing a beta test, quote unquote, a beta test, like two weekends before that game comes out, guess what? 
the game on the disc was printed over a month ago when the game went gold. They're not incorporating any of your feedback into that game. Yeah, we live in the internet age, and maybe they could do a day one patch and get it out there, but at that point, the systems, the game is so much locked down that they're not Chances are they are not going to do any sort of significant revisions. But beta, I'm not going to say it's beta never happened. more than preview. It does now. Beta has become this sort of buzzword that everybody wants to use. So that said, there's also such a real thing as an alpha and beta stage for products. And if you want to talk about what that actually means outside of this mainstream use of it, um, an alpha test is when you are testing software that is not yet feature complete. So there are major features to the software that are not yet included. Once you've gone to beta, the feature set is locked. They're not going to be adding anything to the software, but they might be refining it, squashing bugs, getting it ready to go gold. Okay, but like, you know, if you had a game where, okay, this is a first-person shooter... And you're going to run around and shoot all these guys. Ah, and you see how they have that thing up there? Well, eventually you're going to be able to shoot a grappling hook to that. And you're going to be able to just sling yourself over the map. But the grappling hook's not in the game yet. That's an alpha test. They don't have all the features in the game. All the systems aren't working. Okay? Um, and that can that's kind of a superficial sort of example, right? I mean, this could be even larger systems. Like, oh, the AI is not implemented yet. So all the bad guys are just standing there waiting to be shot, right? I mean, that's a feature system. So that's that's really probably the larger scale what they're talking about. But, but you know, to, if you want to go to the, the nuance there, technically like a grappling hook, sure, that could count too. But, yeah, that's, that's the real okay. difference. So an alpha test is they're still creating major pieces of the game. Beta testing, they've created all those major pieces, and now they're fine-tuning. Is that correct? Okay. Basically. All right. That's the gist. So this game, Seven Days to Die, which you have already logged, I believe you just said, 350 hours in, is still in alpha test. Yes. So they're still creating major pieces and yet you have logged over 10 full days of playing it. Well, I mean, yeah. 300... I'm not saying (laughs) it necessarily is a bad thing. So they obviously have enough that's keeping your interest. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, since, like, Alpha... I think I started playing it around Alpha 9, and at that point, the game was feature-rich enough that, as far as I'm concerned, that could have been a final product game. Well, and that's it. I thought it was. So every time we've talked about it, and we've been talking about this game probably for the entire length of time that we've been recording DDT Wrestling, I just presumed that it was already a game. And since I don't follow video games, especially PC ones, I just assumed I had missed it. They haven't even... Did you have to pay to get into the alpha, or did you just sign up at the right time? Uh, Well, if you're familiar with Steam, which is an online platform on PCs for purchasing video games, they, a while back, released uh, a feature called Early Access. So these are games that can go up for sale before they're actually done. And in theory, the developers talk to the people playing the game, and they're able to incorporate that feedback during the actual development process of the game. Um, And that is how, initially, I came into Seven Days to Die. I did pay 
for access to the early access version of the game on Steam. Now, does that mean you now have access... Because you paid early, do you get access to it all through Alpha, through Beta, and through how you're calling it Gold, which must mean... Final. It's final. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, So what are they adding? Because this is now 15. Yeah, okay, so Alpha 9, if you can imagine, was basically... The easiest way to describe this game, it was Minecraft, but with zombies. Yeah. So, yeah, I know Minecraft has some monsters in it, but even when you play on survival mode, um, I've never found Minecraft to be particularly challenging. It's not difficult to avoid the monsters um, until you're sort of set up and ready to go. So this game, you know, takes place in that sort of post-apocalyptic zombie outbreak has happened, and you're dropped in the middle of this world with nothing, basically, and at that time, just that alone, the way that the zombies worked, there were hordes of zombies. Sometimes there'd be them just wandering the landscape, and you'd have to sort of work around them. You would set up a base, and sometimes wandering zombies would come by, and you'd have to you know, try to lure them away or fight them. or you know. And then every seven days, this massive sort of feral horde happens that makes a beeline for you. So you have to be basically building up your defenses um, in all the days in between so that you're able to actually survive the onslaught that happens every seven days. Um, and that alone, like back when that was the game, I, that was enough to put dozens and dozens of hours into it, for sure. And that was all it. Right, that so was basically they, all that game was. What are they was. adding now? Okay, well, I mean, in the meantime, not what they're adding now, but in the meantime, what they've added is, like, they added an entire experience and leveling up system before it was you were just a character and you would go in the world and you would find loot and you could upgrade that stuff there was a technology tree you would start with you know stone tools and then you learn how to make iron tools and steel tools and you know make yourself better get better clothes get better armor etc but now there's a leveling system you gain experience and there's these entire character trees where you can invest your points and you make yourself better in different ways like that's a completely new system that didn't exist before um and they've completely revamped the user interface, which is, you know, not very... It's not a very exciting sort of thing. But they did that. There's different zombie types now. Um, they've been changing random generations. So they have, like, this preset map that you can play on. And they now they also have a random generation mode where it just... Every single time you start a new game the environment is completely different because it's been randomly generated. So, like, non-stop replayability. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the thing they're adding in the Alpha 15 that didn't exist before is an economy. They're setting up traders, kind of like what you would have in Skyrim, where there are merchants. Um, they didn't have any sort of economy within the game before. It was just a matter of going out, searching deserted homes, killing zombies, picking up loot wherever you could. But now there's actually going to be like trader settlements where you can go in there, you can gather materials, trade them for a type of currency, buy things from them, sell things to them. Um, and again, this didn't exist at all in this game before they're talking about making a non-player character AI system again the thing that they keep talking about is they want to make it more like Skyrim um, there was really no actual storyline 
in the game before. It was really just a sort of a Minecraft type thing. Create, build, survive. But now they're actually talking about having story and NPCs and all these sort of they're, they're, right now, there's also, like, so there's just zombies. This is not coming in this alpha, but for Alpha 16, they have lined up bandits. So there's going to be an entire another faction of enemies that, and apparently this is going, they're going to be adding, like, you know, a reputation system where there's going to be, like, different factions of bandits, and some of them might be friendly with you, some of them might be shooting you on sight. I mean, they have incredible ambitions for this game. And this is a game that two years ago, again, was already worth the entry price. Mm-hmm. Like... It's sort of ridiculous. Now, actually. can you... Is it multiplayer? Like, do you encounter other people playing the game? Or is it your own world? It depends. If you play single player, it's just you like it would be in what Skyrim. Do you, what do you play? Um, I typically host my own server. And I have another friend who he and I would play together a lot. But that's typically the only uh, human interaction I would have. I wouldn't open it up to the general internet. It would just be the two of us, basically, okay. playing against the environment. And can you... Are they looking into being able to recruit these NPCs to help you? Yep. Nice. They've been introducing, you know, wild animals and different sort of meat systems and cooking, and now they're going to be introducing a system where you can take... Because, like, they had meat and stuff that you would have to cook in order to be able to eat it. But now they're talking about being able to... But that was a trade-off, right? Because that was better food. It got you more wellness, which is a whole other system they added. But, like, it smelled. So if you carried it on you, the zombies could sense you from a further radius. But now they're going to be introducing a canning system. So then you're able to... Yeah, I know. It's crazy. That's the sort of depths of the... And, like, they're going to be... The one thing they're going to be adding... They, it's probably not even Alpha 16. We're talking more like probably Alpha 17. But they're going to be adding electricity at some point that you can actually string along and traps and turrets and things like that. Like, more traps and automated defenses so at, that currently aren't in the game at all. So at some point, you are going to quit your real job, lock yourself in the room that you are currently in, and never stop playing this game. Like you're gonna have. They to, have ambitions, man. You're, you're gonna have to set up some sort of toiletry system under the desk. You're gonna have to set up a mini fridge <laughs> or something. Now, this game was released on PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, the Alpha 14 was picked up by um, Telltale Publishing, um, who were known for adventure games mostly. But they picked up this game. They actually gave it a disc release on PS4 and Xbox One. And there's been a lot of sort of negativity about that release. I mean, I think GameSpot gave the game a 2.0 out of 10, which I just think is like a ridiculous score for a game like that I've actually honestly enjoyed more than any other video game in my life. Clearly, whoever like reviewed this game didn't get it and that's fine like you're allowed to as a critic not to get it i'm not going to call you out for that you're allowed to but the big problem that a lot of people had with that is they took alpha 14 and they released it gold on the consoles and the official sort of company line has been that game is finished like they took alpha 14 and said that's gold even though the game on pc is still in alpha um, so that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Although I think there are plenty of people playing it on console who actually do like it a lot. Um, but again, like I said, from Alpha 9 on, they could have sold that as a finished product. They could have stopped working on that game. So like, I really don't see why, how anybody could honestly have that problem outside of bugs and things that have to be patched. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think you're absolutely right. But at the same time, 
from everything you have described, this game is everything that Doc Manson loves. It has zombies. That's a big thing right there. True. It requires you to think and create in order to survive. So you, your mind is working overtime trying to create the, pro- the proper line of defenses and placement and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, so it, it is a game that, you know, if there was a higher power creating a game just for Doc Manson, it would probably look very similar to this with maybe you know, the ability to swing from some sort of cable or something. Yeah, I need grappling hooks in my games. Or a jet. Or the ability, if I remember correctly, to tame a giant turtle and have it follow you around as a pet. Uh, they're talking about being able to tame wolves in this game. To then use to help you? Yes. Yeah, okay. This, I cannot wait. This game was just made for Doc Manson and anyone else who likes it. It's a bonus. They introduced a craftable... Um, what do you call it? Uh, I can't think of the name of it. A, a vehicle. Um, you know, you it's like an end game thing where you can get together a mini bike. You can build a mini bike. You have to find, you know, you can build handlebars out of iron pipes and you can find a motor out of like an old destroyed car if you search hard enough. You have to get tires and build a seat and stuff. And like they introduced that around like Alpha 12 or 13. And it was just like, again, this giant sort of game changer. You're used to just walking around everywhere in this big, giant world, and suddenly, wait a minute, you mean once I'm established and I have enough stuff, like, I can build a freaking vehicle that I have to, like, you know, go and siphon gasoline to run this thing? Like, it's it's crazy and awesome, and I really enjoy it. Can you eventually build a magic carpet? I don't think so. Because... My shadow priest in World of Warcraft was able to fly around on a magic carpet. Uh, I've seen leaked assets that suggest they will be adding a craftable gyrocopter at some point. I feel so bad for Mrs. Manson because she's never going to see you again. And I'm going to have to like literally come to your house and drag you out of that room unshaven, well, unshowered. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about this early access nonsense. I played a ton of that game when I first got it. And every, and then eventually you kind of stop playing. And then the next major alpha release comes out and you go back and you play it a ton, right? But each time that's happened now, when I go back, I do play it less and less. I would say when Alpha 14 came out, I probably only played another 10 hours. Um, so I don't know. Part of Alpha 14 was I said, like, there were some good changes here. But I kind of feel like instead of just continuing to play this, I kind of feel like I should just distance myself from it until something like super major development really does happen. So that way I can go back into it, spend 40 hours, and not be bored. Well, you know what I mean? It. When they create settlements for you to go and explore and barter with when they create electricity when you can build a gyrocopter yes i'll be back yeah all right uh speaking of back we should get back to talking about pro wrestling only because our good we were talking about that one game for half an hour that's fine i'm okay with that i 
and I, I guarantee you we will get people there will be people and it's not just going to be the usual sum we are going to get people being like we need to play this game now we just got some. I wish you would play this game I if would I, I love I love playing games with people I know it sounds so strange but like I don't really care to play single player games anymore I find them sort of I don't I don't really see the point that much and like massively multiplayer games are fun but like because you can't actually affect the world at all like I, that has a limited sort of appeal to me as well but like a game like this where I can set up a server with like four to eight of my close like friends and like work together on something like every night like that holds appeal to me in a way that most other video games sort of have lost their luster to me these well days. and so let's go back to the wow days the problem was our schedules were so different that you'd be like all right it's eight o'clock come and play and an hour later i'd be like i'm tired and you'd be like <laughs> we haven't built the thing we need to build and i'm like yeah and i'm tired <laughs> so that's the problem with that. I love the idea. And, you know, I've heard when Minecraft went multiplayer, you could play whenever you wanted and continue to build things. If if it if it winds up working on one of these, I would happily buy in and play it. But you understand how I do video games, which is badly. And you understand that there's going to be a time. I played Counter-Strike without... I was playing it on a mouse pad, and I was terrible. Uh, there's going to be a time that seven-day horde's going to happen, and I'm all of a sudden going to not even intend to, but I'm going to Leroy Jenkins it and run into the middle of the horde, and you're just going to be like, I'm going to let him die. I'm just going to let him die because well, I, there's just going to be a time where you get so frustrated with my ineptitude that you start yeah. to actively plot my death in the game. If it makes you feel any better, um, we have a mutual friend, uh, Stringbean, who uh, did play this game with me for about 12 hours, and he just, like, never got it. He would just be standing around and just being like, so what do I do now? And it's like, literally anything you want. But, see, you have played Minecraft... I know you have. And so if you understand that type of game, I kind of think you will be better equipped to deal with this. I'm I'm in. If I can get it to work, I will try this out because I, you know, at least until Skyrim comes out for PS4 and I get <laughs> lost to the Dark Brotherhood once again. So Fair enough. All right, we have an email. And we should read From the email ddtwrestling@gmail.com. We should read the email, we should talk about it and then I suppose we should head on out of here. I feel like we could continue to talk about video games. Uh, I do have enough, enough disk space to record for 735 more hours. So we've nice. got lots of time. All right. Let's hear what Pav has to say. Hey, DC, Pope of Positivity, and Doc, the Nope of Negativity. I don't know what that means, Pav. <laughs> it rhymes with Pope. Yes, another brand split themed email. But if it makes you feel any better, just think of Jason's love for Goldberg times a thousand. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know why that would make me feel better. I feel the last one peaked at 2005 and nosedived from there. My question, how do they sustain this one? As Doc has said, the same people in charge as last time is worrying. 
Last time, I feel there wasn't a strong enough developmental system to aid against departures. As evidenced by the entire 2005 SmackDown draft class gone slash injured by 06 without a depth to replace it. As well as people appearing on both shows, eliminating the brand rivalry concept. Randy Orton going to Raw in 06 without explanation. As SmackDown made Kali its top heel evidenced this. I think I got the gist of that. Anyways. Yes, I do too. Uh, Title-wise, I feel the Universal Championship is being groomed as the long-term SmackDown title. (laughs) As the WWE title and Raw and Vince's brain are neurologically linked to times when the company was battling uphill battles to keep afloat, which is why he values Raw and that title more highly. That is why I see that title on Raw within a year or two. The Universal title in SmackDown, in my opinion, is a risky hybrid. And the WWE title on SmackDown is proven to work. What is happening? (laughs) I lost the thread in that paragraph. All right. Hold on. We'll get there. Hold on. I love you, Pav, but I'm so So confused. How do you think we'll sustain the brand split long What do you think? It at least says what do you think. So what do you think? I accidentally the whole thing. Mine are the Performance Center and NXT, both shows being on USA and learning from the mistakes of last time, where instead of feeling like two separate companies, it was like drawing a line in the middle of the same room. The Pav. Alright, there are some points in here um, that I think deserve to be addressed. So, uh, going back, yes, I do think that they had a problem with departures in the original brand split you're right there wasn't a depth there to sustain some talent losses but at the same time the wwe i I, you can tell me what you think about this dc the wwe for a long time has been the main sort of wrestling company uh in north america anyways so there was nowhere else for talented people to go they could have gone to smaller promotions or the indies at that point in time and gobbled up all sorts of people like they're doing currently. They just chose not to back then, right? Are you talking 2005? Yes. It was TNA. In well, 2005, yeah, to some it was degree. WWE and it was TNA and everything else. Ring of Honor was not that, you know, it it was coming up, but it wasn't where it is now. Um so yeah, it was, you know, it was WWE was number 1, TNA was number 2 and and it almost felt like there was a there was a feeling in WWE at that time that you didn't want to get those top indie talents. You know, AJ Styles has been wrestling in TNA had been wrestling in TNA for ages before they finally signed him. It took a change of philosophy to get your Seth Rollins, to get your Daniel Bryan's even uh, at least to the level of stardom to get your AJ Styles. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, I think depth is not going to be a problem. In fact, if anything, I think depth is going to be a problem in the other way, uh, in the sense that there's too much talent. Sort of. You know, it, it, I don't think I, I don't think there's enough talent on SmackDown right now. Actually, um, there they every single person on that roster sort of is banging on all cylinders right now. You know what I mean? Um, there is who 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 is on that show who they're not utilizing. Well, Kalisto apparently is injured. Um, Eric Rowan at the moment isn't doing anything. And again, I'm not mentioning huge names here, but right. 
they're they are utilizing their resources I would say better than Raw is, which is probably why going back to what started our podcast, they're they're the better show because they're using their resources. Raw yes. isn't. And I'm not just talking about Bo Dallas. Raw, you know, Cesaro and Sheamus in match 4 with five more to go. I tweeted this at you this morning. Right, I, I saw, saw that. that. I, is, I was counting the first two matches that Cesaro won which, as part of the series, which, they which aren't should, even part of the series. Because let's yeah, talk about this very briefly. Cesaro won two. Then the best of series started, and now Sheamus has won two. So they should be tied, except now Cesaro is in a hole and is going to need to make a comeback. Well, except he's injured, so he's going to have to forfeit the third match. Which means we're going to have to watch one less match, thankfully. And then he'll have to come back from a three-to-nothing oh, deficit. deficit and win them all. It, you know, and it, I think the story would be fine if it was two-to-two two and he had to forfeit f- the fifth one and he just had to win two in a row. Yeah, that'd be fine as well. So, you know, there. my worry is that there are too many names that people, especially those of us on Twitter, like that are going to be... You know, I have a problem with how Ty Dillinger is being, I would say, misused. And it's not even that Ty Dillinger is a phenomenal talent, but it's just he's never going to get a chance to be what I think he could be because of everyone else around him. And that's always going to be the case in every era of wrestling. But I think it's going to happen a lot more now because all of these guys, Roderick Strong, from all reports, is signed and going to... NXT at some point. I mean, just 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 think about how many talents you keep hearing have been signed to the cruiserweight division. I've heard of at least. I would say I probably could name at least twelve. That's my, and that's my point, right? So if all they're doing with these people is going to put the cruiserweight division on Raw, we are never going to see or hear or understand. 80% of those hires. We're just never going to actually see them on a regular enough basis. No. The only thing I can imagine is they're going to make the Cruiserweight into a regular show on the network that also has a presence on Raw. That's the only thing I can think of that they're doing. We talked that about that, talent. I think, last week on A Private Earful. That would be ideal, would be for them to have an hour-long show on the network. They obviously have the time for it. And then have some of their presence felt on Raw. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to sign all of these talents, and either they're going to wind up getting rid of your Curtis Axels, getting rid of your Bo Dallas's, and at this point I suppose it would be deserved if they did fire him. Um, and these cruiserweights are going to be either parts of their division, or they're going to wind up taking the place of these lower guys. It's going to, you know, uh, main event or superstars, whatever Raw's warm-up show is, is going to be almost all cruiserweights. Yeah. Which might in and of itself be that show that we watch on the network. Because if I can watch main event and see Cedric Alexander take on Noam Dar or something, I'm going to watch that as opposed to watching Jack Swagger wrestle Mark Henry. Agreed. 100%. So... You know, I do think depth is an issue. I think it means that the brand split can be more successful, but I think there's more to what... I think everything has a 
definitive point where it stops being good and you know the brand split you can call it the great Kali moment or whatever at some point that brand split lost there were no longer two exciting shows and when there are no longer two exciting shows it's probably time to end the brand split right when I would say that when they started having talent appear on both rosters without any sort of explanation, the brand split de facto was over, even if they didn't admit it for another year or two. Yeah, like it, it didn't matter anymore at that point. Well, and and just there was you know you had also, and I wasn't watching religiously at this time, but I think John Cena was drafted like three or four years in a row. He just switched rosters. And it was because he was, they talked about this on NAI pod, there was a period of time in recent WWE history where John Cena was the only guy they had. You want a group of talents who fans think have a legitimate shot of winning the world title. And there was a time where it was Cena, Orton, maybe Triple H, and I suppose The Undertaker could win it if he wanted to. And that was it. You know, and so that's very hard to substantiate two brands when you only have a hand, that small few that could be legitimate champions. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm glad Pav sent the email. Uh, once we figured out a lot of what it said, you know, is there anything else from that email that we're missing? Well, what do you think would sustain the brand spit long-term this time? I think he's dead on about the Performance Center in NXT. Yeah. I mean, that's just going to keep churning out talent for them, as well as now being open to acquiring talent from other sources. Yes. But I also think they need to figure out, you know, when, uh, not Brooklyn, but when TakeOver The End happened, everyone was talking about, including Triple H himself, that NXT was going to become its own brand. I don't understand how that, you know, I think that was just all talk because it's obviously not its own brand. Nothing has changed yet. It's still the feeding ground. Um, You know, I think one way that they could, and I know a lot of people have problems with the WWE version of ECW, but one way to make the brand split really helpful is to have three of them. If they had Raw, SmackDown, and NXT literally as three brands and then created a actual developmental show. You know, I don't know if you watched NXT this week, but they had Steve Cutler wrestle Kenneth Crawford. Who? Exactly. Uh, you would recognize Steve Cutler if you saw him because he's got the sideburns that are like in like an L, and he's he, but he's a jobber. He was an NXT jobber wrestling a guy who was making his NXT debut, and oddly enough, he didn't win. The guy with the hmm. sideburns one. I You'll look at this guy and you'll be like, oh, he's one of the tag team champions because he looks kind of like one of the guys from the Revival. But, um, you know, I want that. I want a show where they actually put guys that no one's really ever heard of on it and let Shinsuke, Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, Ty Dillinger, the Revival, let those guys wrestle on a actual brand. And I think that... I think, I, I think you're right. Uh sort of along the same lines, the thing that will sustain the brand split long-term is giving the brands different identities. Yeah, I agree. Um, Having those shows actually be different things for different people. Having the one of those shows actually just be 
the wrestling powerhouse show. Um, that is a draw for a subset of the audience. And you know that the soap opera characters, the the child PG-friendly sort of show, if that's going to be raw, whatever, what have you, like, if there's different draws for different reasons at different shows, that sustains that split because it has... It means that each one of those shows has a purpose. Mm-hmm. When they lose their purpose, and they, none of them have purpose, and they're all basically just the same thing... Well, that's when the brand split ceases to mean anything, and it all just folds back in on itself. Yeah. You have a PG family-friendly show. You have a TV-14 show that might have a yep. little bit more of an edge to it. And then you have a Wrestle-centric show. Yeah, great. So if I want to watch edgy stuff, I watch SmackDown. If I want to watch pure wrestling, I watch NXT. If I want to just sit and watch Rhino eat canned cheese... I'm watching Raw or whatever. Hey, that happened on SmackDown. It you did. give credit where credit is deserved. I, it was what probably I said. I think I tweeted this out. I woke up Wednesday morning and the only thing I could remember from SmackDown was that Rhino was eating cheese with his shirt buttoned way too open. <laughs> way too open. Uh, did you see the, the the video online? Did you have, did you have to see the the shot of AJ Styles? Still yes. on that rope yes. when Seth Rollins made his entrance. I, well, I saw John Cena was in the ring, Roman Reigns was yes. in the ring, and Seth Rollins yes. was in the ring, and AJ was still just hanging out. Seth Rollins comes up up the stairs. He comes over to, to AJ as if to ask if he's okay, and then he jumps up and springboards into the ring off of the rope that AJ is still hung up on. Uh, it was it was it was beautiful. That was commitment. To a bit. You say that, but if that had resulted in AJ rupturing something, this entire podcast would have been about, even in a dark match, Seth Rollins hurt somebody. (laughs) Well, if he had injured him. That's what I'm saying. But he didn't. So there you go. Uh, I think, you know, overall, I think the brand split's going to work. That was a great email. It was a great email. Yes, it was. And it was a great email in that it inspired a... 15 minute discussion uh, about wrestling which is what all good emails should do ddtwrestling at gmail.com yes it was a very good email Um, alright I think on that note positivity for the week my positivity for the week is that Doc Manson did a solo show and it was hugely successful, and I hope it sets all of our records on DDT Wrestling for the most listened to show. I hope it goes viral. I hope it's what gets us over the top, because I will ride your coattails to glory. That is what I hope. I'm guessing that three people will listen to that show. Me, three. you, and Mrs. Manson. I, I'm hope- I, think, I think it's going to take off. I'm going to try to pump it up, because it's worth listening to. All right, what's your piece of positivity for the week? Uh, AJ Styles on that top rope. <laughs> that was so good. Come on, man. I he love... Just, it was so awkward. He was just... Like, it was like you could move at any time in any direction, and the pain would stop. You could get off of that like you are the master of that phenomenal forearm you are familiar with the ring and the ropes it makes no sense 
at all that you continue to just sit there and yet there you are making that face oh that was good oh and uh you know kevin owens that was i was gonna say that was that was was good too um you have to know that was a backstage thing like they were all backstage they were getting ready you know they set it up and somebody was like wouldn't it be hilarious if you just stayed on that rope how long do you think I want to see the WWE 24 episode where that bit got dreamed up and put into action. I want to see him coming back through the curtain at Gorilla and everybody just applauding AJ Styles. Somebody, probably Triple H in the corner, just losing his mind laughing. Like, that is what I want to see. No, what he would do is he would come back and he would hold out his hand and everyone would be handing him, like, $50 bills. Yes. Because they were like, you can't stay on that rope for 15 (laughs) minutes. And he's like, watch me stay on that rope. For 15 minutes. I'll give you 20 extra dollars if you let Rollins springboard off of it. Done. <laughs> give me your money. Give I would to love me. to see. I would love to see those types of backstage, that camaraderie. I would, would, that's what I want to see. Wouldn't you have cameras going all the time backstage? Because you don't know, like, Kevin Owens winning that title should have cameras backstage. That should be a moment, you know, to the point where they did show the post thing where they're doing the pictures of him with the title, and he was like, I really need to go call my wife. You you just have to let me go call my wife right now. Yeah. Um, they should literally just have a documentary crew that's just working 24-7 seeing all of this, because that would be a huge thing. It, honestly, if they just did, uh, it was WWE behind the scenes, and it was like, even if it was like a 30-minute show every other week, they just edited together a bunch of random moments from backstage, I think that would be a great watch. I would watch it every time. Yeah, absolutely. I would watch it way more than I will ever watch Holy Foley. Agreed. Still haven't even tried. All right. Well, there we go. We just have an idea that would make WWE even more money than they're already making. And you heard it here first on DDT Wrestling. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for subscribing. I want to thank you for leaving us an iTunes review. I know you're going to do it this week. That's how I'm going to reverse psychology it, is I'm just going to presume that they're going to do it. I want to thank you for sending us emails, ddtwrestling at gmail.com. Thanks for buying our t-shirts. ProWrestlingTees.com slash New Age Insiders. I'm really going to find out whether or not we can release another one. We have to figure out what that one's going to be. It might need to be the dock side. It really just might need... That might need to be the one. Uh, All right. Anything left you'd like to say, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson, before we head out into that good night? What was your positive moment? Doc Talk. Oh. All right. Doc Talk. That was was one of the better things. I enjoyed the Kevin Owens moment. Um, I enjoyed Rhino with his can of cheese. I enjoyed the fact that Ty Dillinger won on NXT this week. But... Your 35-minute podcast was the highlight of my... I enjoyed... I will say this. I enjoyed uh, New Age Insider's interview with Cody Rhodes on NAI Pod. If you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend it. That was also very good. I listened to that this morning as well. When you get up at 4.45 in the morning, you can listen to all sorts of stuff. Uh, All right. Anything left? You good? You good to go? You ready to get out of here? Let's get out of here. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. We will see you around 
the neighborhood.